Give your Bibles, you can stand with me this morning, Hebrews chapter 12. I thought for a minute Jess was going to get my verse for me, but he didn't. One verse of our text this morning, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, let me read it first before I'm getting too excited here. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's read it again. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's pray. Father, how we need you today. And God, draw us nearer to you, Lord, in an attitude of worship and humbling ourselves before you. Because, Lord, today we want to hear from you today, Father. I pray, Lord, you'll speak to hearts as only you can, challenge us, and draw us near to your heart. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Over the last several months, we've been looking at some things The foundation of the church is being attacked. Things that even the church has overlooked. And I believe let down our guard. And it's not good. Our title this morning is the foundation be destroyed. Holiness, holiness before the Lord. Our title we came with several months ago from Psalm 11, verse 3, where the psalmist wrote, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Some have said that it can also be translated, What are the righteous doing? It's been four or five, maybe six years ago now, Pam and I were privileged to attend a D6 conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Churches from all the world gather down there. It's part of our Sunday school curriculum department that we put on and different denominations attend. But at this particular event, one of the keynote speakers was Dr. Tony Evans. And I've always enjoyed listening to his preaching. Uh, it it kind of aggravates me. I liked him before he put, he, people knew who he was. But I'll never forget, we were there at this conference and we went to eat uh, dinner one night. Well, supper, I call it supper. And... Uh, restaurant just across from the hotel there in, in Louisville. And we leave, and Pam said, did, did, did you see Tony Evans sitting at the table next to us? I said, what? So I made a beeline right back in there. I wanted Tony Evans to know who I was. Not really. But I, I, just, I, I just thanked him, you know, anything like that. But he preached a message that night. And I'll, I'll never forget, he has, he's a great with illustrations. And he said one morning he woke up in one of his rooms at his house that there was a crack in one of the walls from floor to ceiling. And he said, so I called the painter. And they came out and they, they patched it and put, you know, spackling, what do they do to it, and sanded it and, and uh, painted the walls. It looked brand new. And I paid the painter for what he did. 
and uh, looked good, and man, just everything was hunky-dory. And he said, about three or four weeks later, I wake up. Not only did the track, the, the crack reappear, he brought his cousins, his aunts, and his uncles with him. There were cracks everywhere. And so he calls the painter back. Painter comes. And Dr. Evans said, I paid you to fix this wall. Now look what you've done. Well, I don't know. They, they did some investigating and things going on there. And finally, Dr. Evans realized, I don't have a paint problem. I've got a foundation problem. My foundation of my house was starting to crumble. And I want to tell you, folks, the church, our foundation, is being attacked. It's being attacked from without and from within. And I think all of us realize the importance of a foundation. Whether it's a foundation of a building or a foundation of an organization. And I realize that the church is not a physical building. In fact, the church is not uh, an organization either. The church is a living organism. But that being said and that being true, you need to understand the church is built upon a foundation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. The Bible says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation, here's our word, of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I want to tell you something, folks. You and I, if you're born again, we are privileged to be a part of the church of the living God. We're a part of the family of God. And I got excited again this week as I look at this verse again many times in my ministry even. But the bottom line is this. Paul says, I'm no longer a stranger. I'm no longer an outsider. I'm no longer a foreigner, but I am a fellow citizen with all the saints of the household of God. Folks, I am pleased and I am blessed to be a part of the church. Amen. And so are you. We are part of the household of God. Folks, there was a time in this life, in my life, when I was lost in this world without hope. But thank God, one day the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and revealed to me that I needed a Savior and Jesus Christ is that one. And now I'm part of the greatest family on earth, the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to tell us in that text this morning that that church that we're part of, we are built upon a foundation. We're built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Let me remind you folks, the church is built on a solid foundation. But that foundation is being attacked today in a lot of ways. But I'll remind you, we talked about, we mentioned this several weeks ago, the gates of hell will not prevail. 
Because this church is the church of Jesus Christ. Not mine, not yours. Christ is the founder of this church. Now it's interesting, Paul reminds us that this foundation the church is built on is the apostles and the prophets. But then Paul goes on to use a very common metaphor that day that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of that foundation. So he describes the apostles. He mentions the prophets as being the foundation. But you need to know something. Every well-built building with a firm foundation has a cornerstone. Now, I spent quite a few years in the building business, built quite a few houses over my time in that, a lot of room additions, but we always started with a corner. And everything was squared off of a certain corner. If that corner wasn't right, guess what? None of the building was right. Some years ago, we did a, a room addition just not too far down the road, and we hired a bricklayer. Bricklayers are a funny breed, okay? I'll leave it at that. And we knew him for years. And I went over and snapped the lines on the footer so he could lay the block. And I get over one day, and I look, and that block is running at an angle. And I called him and said, Mike, something's wrong here. <laughs> he didn't have the corner right. One corner he had on the left side of the blue line, the other corner on the right side of the blue line. Now he connected the corners, but because the original corner wasn't right, guess what? The whole foundation was wrong. Every good building has a good foundation, and it has a cornerstone. Now a cornerstone, especially back in the time when they did use stones, it was a valued architectural piece. And the stonemason would choose a very special stone, just the right stone, to be that cornerstone. Because in that day and time, the cornerstone anchored the building, if you will, and it gave, uh, if you will, all the walls their line. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of God's building. So Paul mentions the, this foundation being made up of the apostles and the prophets. And most theologians agree that the prophets are not the Old Testament prophets, but the New Testament prophets, the ones that God revealed his word to, the apostles and the prophets. And so when we talk about this foundation, we're not talking about mortar and, and stone or bricks and concrete. We're talking about here uh, the Word and revelation that God gave to these apostles and these prophets. And the word they received was not their own word. It was words they received from God. So these apostles, these prophets, received and believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they took the gospel message. And they took that gospel message. And they took it to the whole world. And by the way, that's why you're saved today. The gospel had reached our land. So when I think about the foundation of the church, now again, being in the building business all those years, I know what a foundation looks like. And I see in my mind a physical structure of whatever it might be, block or stone, holding up a building. But I want you to realize we're talking deeper than that this morning. The foundation of the church it's not the apostles and the prophets all gathered together, kind of holding them together. 
It's the teaching they had. The foundation of the church is the teaching of the prophets and the apostles from the beginning of the church. And Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. And I want you to realize, folks, whenever we get away from this, we're in trouble. God's word, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, are the foundation for the church. Thank God for a sure foundation. But again, we've been talking several months now. That foundation is being under attack. And I see it happening from without. I understand that. Those who are not saved. But for the life of me, I don't understand why those who profess to be Christian are attacking the foundation of the church. We began a couple of weeks ago kind of focusing our, our thought, if you will, on the body of Christ. And we really began looking at, a couple weeks ago, some things that I believe are being overlooked within the church of Jesus Christ today. And we began talking about preachers. And one thing I hate preaching on is preachers. Amen? But please understand something. God has a call in my life. And God has a standard for my life. And and without a doubt, uh, when I think about that, God has called me to be faithful to His Word. He's called me to be faithful in how I live. And and I think God is serious about that. And we spent a couple weeks looking at how a lot of pastors are not doing that in the time we live in. But I want you to realize God still expects His men who share the Word to be men of God. Amen. To be men of God. So we kind of focus on the pastors but I promised you a few, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't leave you out. So today we're going to broaden that circle. And we're going to include the entire body of Jesus Christ. And our topic this morning, from Hebrews 12, verse 14, let's read it again. Paul says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So we're going to consider the topic of holiness today. Now make sure you understand. I believe that God expects his preacher to be holy. Amen. But the Bible is very clear. If you're a Christian today, I don't care what your uh, office may be, or who you are in Christ, God expects you and I both to live holy lives. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, I find it kind of interesting. The church has always been busy. Have you noticed that? Even back in the days of the apostles. The church has always been busy. And the church throughout the years have, have been involved in, in an abundance of good works. And we know that. And I think a lot of times, uh, I'm, you know, most of the time that I can know of, those good works have been motivated by, I think, good spiritual desires. Now we need to also understand, we kind of touched on this morning uh, as we taught in our Sunday school lesson in Philippians chapter 2, but the bottom line is the Bible tells us often that we are to be doers of good works. I don't have this verse today in my notes, but I'm reminded James says, don't be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. Back James 2, I got this verse, verse 17 and 18. Even so, if faith, even so faith, if it hath not worked, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, 
Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you, show thee my faith by my works. So when I realize the church has been busy through the centuries, I understand that. Doing a lot of good works. That's commendable. The Bible commends that. In fact, the Bible says good works are important. And James tells us the bottom line is this, folks. We cannot show our faith without good works. Genuine faith always works. Somebody say amen. It always works. And faith cannot be demonstrated apart from righteous living. It cannot be demonstrated. So faith is within us. It is within us. And faith that's within us can only be seen by the actions we live out every day in our lives. Anybody can say they have faith. I mentioned this story before, but I'll say it again. I'm running out of stories. But several years ago, my dad and I built a 40-foot bridge over a creek. Now, that's kind of a feat to do. And my dad did a good job. He was bragging about how strong that bridge was. Oh, he said, it'll hold three elephants. I said, Dad, there's your van driving across. Guess what he didn't do? He didn't drive it across. He didn't. I want to tell you something, folks. Faith works. Faith is demonstrated by our actions. And James said, faith without works, it is absolutely dead. So anybody can say, yeah, I've got faith, but only their actions are going to demonstrate how genuine their faith is. So without a doubt, it's commendable. The church need to be about the business of the Father, doing good work. Nothing wrong with that. But I think there's something missing in this spiritual makeup. And it's something that I think that we need to give our utmost urgent attention to. In fact, the Bible proclaims it several times. It's simply holiness unto the Lord. Now, how many know God is watching? He knows our lives. Exodus chapter 28, verse 36. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet. Holiness to the Lord. Now, God is giving Moses instructions on what he wants, how the temple to the tabernacle to be built, the priest's clothing, and God has already told them, I want you to take some gold and make a plate on it. And on that plate, I want you to engrave the words, holiness to the Lord. And they were to take that plate. And the high priest was to have it attached to the front of their, of their garment and wear it over their forehead. And every time that anyone saw that phrase, holiness to the Lord, it was expressing the need that Israel had to be pure before God. And everywhere that priest went, every time he ministered, it said holiness to the Lord. They were God's special people, and God expected them to be pure before the Lord. How many know we're God's special people too? And I want you to know that hasn't changed. God expects us to be pure before the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 20 and 21. I'm trying to watch the time, okay? In that day, 
In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see their cook therein. And in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Now you might be scratching, what in the world does that have to do? We're talking about holiness. And I realize that even during the time of the making of the garments for the high priest, they were to wear that with the forehead, holy to the Lord, to remind the people that God expects them to live holy, pure lives. Also we read that we're to be holy because God is holy. We're commanded to be holy. And now we read in Zechariah that in that day, folks, there's coming a day, amen. You didn't hear what I said. There's coming a day. Now, Jason in the back, he can't hear me. I believe he's talking about the millennial reign here. But either way, whether it's there or in heaven, it's coming a day when everything will be holy. Did you hear what I'm saying? Everything is going to be holy. It's going to happen. Now remember, God says to the prophet Zechariah, there's going to come a day, a time, when holiness is going to characterize every area of our life. Whether it's in public, in worship, religious life, or even our private lives. And God says there's coming a day. They're going to, again, the horse will wear metal plates for whatever reason. And God is using this to explain, illustrate his point here. It's going to read, holiness of the Lord. But he goes on to say that even the pots in God's house, in the tabernacle, in the temple. Now these pots were, for lack of a better word, garbage cans. They would throw trash in there. And they were considered unclean. And they would never think of using them for anything else. Except for garbage. But God says there's coming a day that even those trash cans are going to be holy. Then he talks about the private life. He says every pot, every trash can in Jerusalem and in Judah is also going to be holiness unto the Lord God. So appreciate what are you saying? Now here's what I'm saying. I know, go ahead and say it, right? Number one, God commands to be holy. But number two, God is moving to holiness. And one day, it is going to happen. So between then and now, then and now, we must live holy lives. So I think it's very clear because things are moving that direction. God said one day, everything will be holy to the Lord. But he also commands that we be holy, so it's clear that God demands holiness in our lives. He demands it in the preacher's life, and he demands it in your life. If you're a child of God, 
He demands holy living. Now remember, we already read our text. Without holiness, help me out here, no man shall see who? The Father. No man will see the Father. So when I think about that word holiness, I am convinced as I listen to different things, hear different things in the area of Christianity today, holy living, for the most part, is not being preached and taught in a lot of churches today. God expects our lives to be holy. I heard one preacher say there are two H words you don't hear much anymore in the church. Holiness and hell. People don't hear it. They don't preach it. They don't teach it much anymore. It's just not there. And those are the two words I'm going to be focused on today and over the next week or so. Now remember, we've already spent some time looking at preachers and our need to preach the word and to do the right thing. And I will remind you again, that's a responsibility that I have that I do not take lightly. I believe I'm going to answer to God one day, and I want to make sure, with God's help, I will honor Him in everything I do, everything I say, and the way I live my life. Now remember, today's your turn. All of us together, we're enlarging our focus to the family of God. I'm convinced that when we think about holiness, it is a subject as well as a conversation that ought to take place within the church. How many know you won't hear about outside of the church? And the sad thing is, I said a while ago, not many churches preach or teach about holiness anymore. Because the bottom line is, holiness has to be a priority in our lives. Because the Bible says, without holiness, no man will see the Father. We cannot see the Lord. And folks, more than anything else, I want to see God. And I know you do too. Be ye holy, for I am holy. We're talking about personal holiness here. And that's why if you want to see the Lord, we have to pursue it with everything we have. Now here's what we need to understand. No sin, no sin can stand in the presence of Christ. He is too holy. God is too holy. And because no sin can stand in God's presence... You and I, as Christians, we must and we will be sinless when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't wait till that day. Now, he's already declared me righteous, but one day I will be completely righteous. Amen. It'll be, without a doubt, the highest joy of my existence. Now, I hope you know by now, by our introduction... God is serious about holiness. We mentioned the outfit the priest was to wear. If you know the story, you know that there was also a certain way that these priests were to minister the sacrifices. And out of the get-go, one of Aaron's sons did something wrong. Two of them did. And God took their life. Folks, our God is serious about holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy without which you won't see the Lord. So I believe if we realize that truth, realize how serious 
God is about holiness, it ought to motivate us to live lives that honor God every day, without which we will not see God. So what what is biblical holiness? What does the Bible have to say about holiness? First Peter chapter one, look at verse thirteen through sixteen. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. For the grace that is to be to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, we're going to come back, Lord willing, next week more detail to the, these verses. But I want to point something out here real quick. In verse 15, uh, Peter is quoting, of course, he says, uh, He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, I'm reading from the King James, and I normally read from there. Uh, but that word conversation, people say, well, that means your lifestyle. And that's true. But it means more than that. It means according to your civilization. You got that? What do you mean, preacher? There was was a time in my life I was living in a kingdom of darkness. I said civil, I should have said citizenship, okay? My citizenship was in the kingdom of darkness. The day I got saved, I was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And now I've got a new citizenship. Amen. And so when, when Peter writes, when Paul talks about conversation, Peter, Paul, whoever it is, here's Peter doing it. But when it talks about our conversation, our lifestyle, he's talking about a lifestyle that matches up with the country we're a citizen of. Folks, we're children of God this morning. And Peter says, live that kind of citizenship. You are a part of the kingdom of God. Live your life that way. I also remind you this morning that Peter didn't come up with it himself. It's Christmas God breathed, but he's actually quoting from Leviticus 11:44, "For I am the Lord your God, and you shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy." He's also quoting from Leviticus 19, verse 2. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, is holy. Do you think God's serious about this? I know that He is. I know that He is. We've taken the last few months now looking at some of the attributes of God. And we did look at holiness a while back. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. What does it mean that God is holy? What does it mean that God is holy? Mostly remember the story of, of, of Hannah and how she was without child. And uh, her, uh, what, I don't want to say cohort, what, the other lady in the marriage had, had children. And she was broken hearted. 
And she went every year and she prayed that God would give her a child. And when God answered her prayer in 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Hannah said this, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. There is, neither is there any rock like our God. Do you hear what she's saying? She realized that God had answered her prayer. And she says that God is holy. There's none, no one is holy like God and no one has the power that God has. I think the interesting thing is this. She realizes that it's through God's holiness that he demonstrates the awesome sovereignty he has over the affairs of humanity. Now, folks, understand this. There's a lot of things in our prayer list this morning. We talked about that. And they hurt, and my heart is broken, and I'm weeping over these friends of mine that I've known for years. But I want you to realize there's something I understand. There's nothing that happens to anyone except God knows about it. God is in control of that, and we see that shown especially in His holiness. Probably the most familiar verse about God's holiness. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, which is the, the whole earth is full of His glory. Holy, holy, holy. Can you imagine as Isaiah saw this vision? And he saw this seraphim, and this is the only place they're mentioned by name, and we're not sure what kind of a heavenly creature they were, but they were an awesome sight. We know they had six wings, and, and, the, and the Bible says they, they were hovering around the throne of God, above God's throne, and they were crying, Holy, holy, holy. A threefold repetition certainly signifies the completeness and supreme holiness of our God. Folks, the God we serve is holy, holy, holy. And these are only two examples. There are many more in the Word of God. We did that on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago. But I want you to realize whenever we are considering God's holiness, another way to say that is God is absolutely perfect. God is unlike any other. He is holy, 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 and no one else is. Hosea 11, verse 9. God says, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. Why? For I am God and not man. The Holy One in the midst of thee and I will not enter into the city. We're, we're about down. Let me give me a minute. What's he saying? First of all, Ephraim represents Israel. And Israel had done an awful thing. They had turned their back on God. And God says, I'm going to return. And when I do, you have pushed me to the limit. And God is saying, if I were a man, if I were a man, if I act like men do, this is my paraphrase, you would be toast. It's over with. 
God said, because I am not a man. God says, I won't destroy you, but I will restore you. Oh, isn't that good? God says, I'm not like anybody else. I don't act the way you act. I don't try to get revenge. I'd rather forgive you and enter into my kingdom, allow you to come to my kingdom. God said, I will not destroy you. And I want you to realize, folks, we serve a God who does not break His promises. We serve a God who does not change His mind. We serve a God who loves us. And yes, we aggravate. I aggravate Him. You aggravate Him. I'm sure we frustrate Him. But understand, folks, God is going to keep His promise. Why? Because He's holy, holy, holy. And God says, be like me. Holy, holy, holy. Let's stand together. Wow. (laughs) I know there's so much more we could talk about in this stuff, and we will next week, Lord willing. But you can't be holy on your own. You've got to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It begins there. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you want to see God, you must be born again. But once we receive Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God moves in and He will help you to become holy as God is holy. I would challenge you today, if you're listening online, if you're not a Christian, confess Christ as your Savior today. Agree with God. Ask God to be the Lord of your life. Jesus will save you. But church, what about our lives? Is our lives stamped with holiness to the Lord? Do people see that? If not, we need to pray. We need to change our ways. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. I pray, God, especially for those who are lost today. Lord, may the Spirit of God have free course and the Word of God have free course. Draw the lost to you. I pray for those in the church that are hurting today, those who have become cold and indifferent. Lord, speak to their hearts. And I pray for all of us, God, and the family of God, that we would become more holy every day we walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to have a song of invitation. If you need to pray, you can come and pray. You can pray where you are today.